finally stopped raining. And there's even a little bit of sunshine on the horizon right before the sun sets. I'm recording this on a Monday evening. It's the beginning of the evening. And I've been uh, at the office for most of the day. And now I finally have time to record an episode of The Walk to bring you up to speed with everything that's been happening. First of all, I'm alive. <laughs> finally done with the antibiotics. It was uh, quite an ordeal, that uh, infection. And I'm not entirely fit yet. When I walk, I still feel a little bit of pain in my... like right above my left hip. Um, not sure what causes that, but uh, I guess I just need to um, strengthen uh, a little bit more in the upcoming, let's say, two weeks. That's what the doctor said. But all in all, I'm pretty happy that it all ended well, uh, despite the high fever and just the suddenness of the entire uh, bladder infection and all the rest. And guess what I've been doing today? I've been booking a trip that will take me to Scotland. And this is literally a last-minute trip because I'll already leave on Wednesday. I'm going by boat. I can't be more excited. So, um, And I'm going for about five or six days. I think it's six days in total, together with Hugo, uh, who's my cameraman uh, and uh, also uh, director. I've worked with him for many, many years. And he is um, completely uh, infatuated with Scotland. There's no other way to put it. He, he just loves Scotland. He's been there many, many years and knows the place like no one else. And I was supposed to go to Spain uh, this upcoming week to film uh, a pilgrimage of people in a group of people in wheelchairs um, and volunteers that would push them uh, for about five days, I think five or six days, all the way to Santiago de Compostela, at least 100 kilometers. Um, but unfortunately, as I, I think I've mentioned before, because of budget constraints uh, with the organization that uh, first invited me to come along with that pilgrimage, um, that just didn't, uh, that didn't work out. And so I all of a sudden had two weeks where I, I cleared my entire calendar months in advance because, of course, as a priest, I uh, am always required to be in the parishes in the weekends, except for that one weekend where I knew that I would be in Spain. And now that Spain uh, didn't work out, and at the same time I more or less recovered from the bladder infection, I wanted to do something <laughs> and take advantage of that that free time in my calendar to, to, to produce some TV shows. If I don't, I'll get in trouble next year. I still remember the, f the first few months of this year where I had to push myself so hard in order to keep up with the deadlines. Um, I, I never want to go back to, that, to an experience like that. It was so excruciatingly difficult and stressful and not just for me but for the entire organization so instead I vowed that I would do as much as I could in these months leading up to Christmas which means I basically have about two months to film 15 episodes 
And the trick is to just do it. Not, not think it through too much, but just whenever you can do something, do it. And this whole Scotland idea is part of that uh, drive to, as soon as I'm able to, to, uh, to go film. Ik ben iets aan het opnemen. Met een microfoontje. Een verhaaltje. <laughs> Kids in the playground. It's, sir, sir, what are you doing? They see me talking into this, uh, this microphone with, with the fluffy, uh, what is it? Uh, wind stopper that looks a bit like an animal. <laughs> so this little girl was like, well, what is that? <laughs> anyway, curious minds. That's the beginning of wisdom. Ooh, there's some water here. To jump over. Okay. And here's a small bridge over a pond, and that will lead me to a staircase that leads all the way up to the railway, to the, to the train tracks. And then I'll go to the right. I'm just kind of <laughs> trying to bring some variations into my walks. So, anyway, um, I, this weekend, uh, I was still very, very tired, and I, I actually still am. So, in a way, it's a bit risky to immediately dive into another project, but I think I'm gonna, just going to pull it off. Um, this, this weekend, I've been racking my brain. Where will I go? So, normally what I do is, what can I afford? Because we work with very small budgets, and so usually... I go by myself. I just book the f- cheapest flight that I can find, the cheapest hotels, you know, hopefully not bug-ridden, but if so, then too bad. <laughs> and I try to keep it as cheap as possible. And, and, and I, I, I try to, to do as much as I can with the, with the budget. So I knew that t- t- uh, in two weeks from now, I'll be going to Rome, it's right after the Synod that's currently going on to uh, again pre-produce the episodes for the next season so hopefully three four episodes um but rome is just one one city it's and it's actually the inner city is so small you can do ever you can do mostly most of the things by foot on foot and uh what what i need in rome is always just interesting people with a story to tell that's the hardest job once i'm there filming itself is not a big deal but for these upcoming two weeks I knew that I wanted to go a little bit more on it on a journey because I need to somehow conjure up two episodes and it's much easier to film a story when you're part of the story so a trip in a certain way travel tv is the easiest way to to create a story because you go from a to b from B to C, from C to D, and you'll do this and that and that and that. And then, of course, while you're traveling, there are always moments that are interesting to see or funny or unexpected. So if you want to create a two-parter, then going on a journey is the best thing. But then I'm thinking, well, where do I go? I'm looking for cheap flights and thinking Spain. Mm, nope, can't do it because I don't really have a story. Uh, if I go to Spain, um, it's very hard to go anywhere near the the Camino. Plus, what am I going to do if I'm not walking myself? What's the story there? Italy, eh, I was already going to Rome, so can't do too much Italy. 
all the rest, Germany, France, Belgium, it's all not very interesting, didn't really have uh, any idea. Uh, Ireland had just been there, still working on that episode, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, Scotland and the UK, that like the northern part of the UK, why not go on a journey? And, and this will be a little bit like the story I, I'm telling with the Ireland uh, uh, footage. I'm trying to discover the secrets of those monks because most of Europe has been evangelized by monks, not by bishops or priests, uh, but by monks. And these were very entrepreneurial monks. If you look at Ireland, uh, they often came from other countries. They settled there. They often built monasteries or, um, or climbed all the way to the top of mountains to live there as... Uh, uh, these, these, you know, almost cloistered small communities. Um, and what fascinates me is that they've been very successful in evangelizing a continent, the continent of Europe, without any means, without money, without infrastructure, without political support, <laughs> without um, pre-established communities. And these monks were very poor, of course, because they, they vowed, uh, they made a vow of poverty. And yet, without these monks, I wouldn't be walking here. <laughs> Christianity would be, uh, would be nowhere in sight. And so, my, the story that I'm going to tell is, I want to know how they did it, and what drove them, and how they lived, and what was their... What was their passion because if I can figure that out then I have a solution for the future as well because in a way the church here in the west is getting poorer and poorer it's not a very voluntary uh, choice to uh, become poor but that's just the reality we're losing our churches our buildings our money our our people and so we have almost nothing to work with and yet oh that's the train to Germany High speed in the direction of Cologne or Berlin, or I'm not sure where this thing is going. Anyway, um, it's incredible that for the success of their mission, none of the, um, the, the commodities that we currently have and that we're quickly losing mattered. What mattered was who were they and what, what was their drive? What was the spirit that motivated them? So I think that that could be an interesting and it's literally, it's seriously something I want, I want to know, I want to discover, because I think the future ultimately does not, depends on our, does not depend on our means or our money or uh, the amount of buildings that we have, but it all depends on people that are somehow um, open to what God wants to do. And so I'm thinking of visiting a number of places in this uh, lower part of Scotland where these monks have lived. And, of course, it, we're talking about centuries of history. Um, and I'll just follow, and that, that's where Hugo is, is tremendously helpful. He's always been very interested in the, in the history of these monks. And uh, so we're going to just trace their footsteps. Where did they start? Um, how did they first evangelize uh, the, the island itself? And then from there on, how did they organize to go evangelize Europe? 
Um, and that will bring me to a number of places, including some islands that we're going to take a boat to. And oh, so, it's so cool. And this, this is all stuff that I've never seen before. And I've been to Scotland twice on vacation, but we were mostly bound to the places that were easy to to reach and uh, we only usually had 10 or 12 days now i <laughs> i only have six days now to and i think five in total to film but i have a guide who knows exactly where to go and also who is going to direct the episodes that also makes it much more feasible for me because otherwise it, normally in rome i have to do everything myself organizing the travel uh, organ producing the guests preparing the interviews, filming everything, um, making sure that, that everything uh, is perfect uh, for a half-hour show um, per day. <laughs> that is just so much work. With this, I'm much more confident. That since we're the, the two of us, we're both program makers. We both know how to handle a camera. Um, and this is, a, this is a story that we've been talking about for many years every time we went to film somewhere in the Netherlands we just kind of brainstorm what if we would go to Scotland and we'd go make a trip and just tell the story the history of these monks and it somehow just never materialized because there's always this grind of having to do the regular TV episodes and so this time I was like well do you want to go do you have a couple of days let's just go and so that's what I did. And then he said, um, I'd rather not go by plane because then you're very uh, limited in what you can take with you in terms of uh, your uh, equipment. And this is a small blue train that goes to the chicken town. <laughs> There's a town not far from here, Barneveld, where uh, like 90% of the chicken population of the Netherlands lives and is... Uh, working in the chicken industry <laughs> so anyway um, he says I, why don't we take the ferry uh, because then we can go with my car I'm very used to driving uh, in, in England and in Scotland um, plus we can take our, our stuff with us it's, it's cheaper it's easier because otherwise I, I have to rent a car and then you rent a car there and it is um, it's not an automatic car. Those are very expensive and hard to use, usually hard to rent. You get a car with the steering wheel on the wrong side, at least for us Europeans. Uh, or let's say, oh, we're still, we're still <laughs> together now. Brexit is not yet there. Um, and so it has a lot of downsides. Plus you have to ensure you, there's only can only be one designated driver, etc. Et this is much easier. But I was afraid that, that booking a ferry, like a boat, uh, to cross the sea, the North Sea, would be very expensive because it's last-minute stuff. So I start to look into possibilities, and I end up with uh, an amount of uh, about, what was it, 650 euros, which is much more expensive than flying. Although, if you take into account that normal, I, can, I can fly very cheaply because I don't have any luggage I only use carry-on luggage. That, of course, will add to the cost if you have to carry around extra cameras and tripods and lights. So that was, you know, but still flying would be cheaper. But 
the, the advantage of going by boat is that in itself is a story that will add to the, you know, the visual flavor of the episode. It's so much more um, adventurous to go on a boat than to just fly. That's a problem with, with airplanes. Uh, besides, you know, apart from the fact that planes are very bad for the environment, um, they're also, you know, you, you, you blink and you're there. So there's not really a travel story to tell. With a boat, it's different. And so um, I, I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, well, okay, let's do it. it. It's a little bit more expensive than the plane. There are also some advantages. And then there is this uh, entry where you can put a voucher code. And of course, being Dutch and a penny pincher, I'm Googling for voucher codes. None of those voucher codes work. But then I see one link that says... Uh, book now for 50% of the price. And it was exactly the same ferry company that I was uh, currently in the process of, uh, of, of booking with. However, the URL was different. It was kind of like a second site or more like a, 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 this is an English company and they also had a specific Dutch site. So I go to the Dutch site. I'm still logged in. I type in the same journey and all of a sudden it's half the price. And then I go back to the other website where I was in the process of booking uh, the, the trip. And those prices all of a sudden are also adjusted. So it has to be a cookie thing or something like that. So, so the site registers, so, hey, he's using the site with the discount. And so all of a sudden, I the trip is actually cheaper than going by, by plane. And wow, <laughs> like that is really providential. Because of course... I have a bit of a budget because we're going to film two TV episodes. But still, I'm, I'm trying to keep costs as low as possible in order to, um, to maximize the, the, the amount, of the, the budget that we have in total to work with. And also not only to work on this particular set of episodes, but also to reinvest it into other productions. That's always how I've been working. Let's try to work for half what it normally would cost and then reinvest the 50% that you save into new productions. And it, and it trains you to always think, uh, to rethink, how can I do this cheaper, more efficiently? It makes you very creative to work with limited means. Uh, I've never been in this neighborhood, actually. I'm not sure in what direction I'm walking, but as long as it's not raining, I don't mind. So then Hugo, on his part, is uh, looking into a, a good tra uh, travel itinerary. So we, we'll, we'll uh, take the boat from Eimuiden, which is near Amsterdam, north of Amsterdam. Um, the boat takes an entire night to, to cross the sea. Um, so you, you uh, leave at 7.30. You arrive, I think, around 8 in the morning. And then we'll just drive immediately to... I think it was called Oban or something. Is that Oban? Oban, or Oban? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Which is on the west side of uh, Scotland, and that's where we will stay for the first two uh, days. And from there, we'll take a ferry to an island where one of those monks has, one of the earliest monks uh, that we know of, has lived. And then we'll, well, from there on, we'll we'll make some more tours in the area. And then we'll go back to, I think, Edinburgh, or direction of Edinburgh, film stuff in that neighborhood. And then the final day, we're going to go to 
Holy Island. I think it's called Holy Island. Is it, again, one of those islands where these monks would uh, retreat. It's actually not really an island. Twice a day, you can cross a road that leads to that outcropping. But you have to be very, very careful to be back in time. Otherwise, the flood will rise and you will not be able to return. And of course, the scariest thing is if you're on your way to the mainland and the flood streams in and you're in your car and <laughs> that'll be my final episode <laughs> the blub 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 episode anyway so i'm uh, returning on monday monday evening uh the ferry leaves i think at 5 30 so i'll be back tuesday morning right in time to film my vatican news update <laughs> not sure if I'll have the energy. And that gives me the opportunity to still do some work. Either maybe I'll be completely dead and I'll just need a week to recover before I go to Rome. Or maybe I'm just so, I don't know, motivated and energized uh, by those uh, five, six days in Scotland that I'll, uh, I'll be able to um, film another, uh, I don't know what, just go film another, another documentary. There is just... I think a lot of margin all of a sudden and I'm doing something that I've, I've been wanting to do for years so yeah it's so funny how it's very cliche but so true if a door closes there's often a window that opens or vice versa and I kind of feel like that it's like I just two weeks ago I was in bed with very very high fever and really scared that this would have tremendous consequences and two weeks later I'm planning a trip to Scotland where I will be two days from now it's insane anyway um, let me cross the road here and I still need to figure out what I'm going to eat for dinner because I have um, uh, a board meeting in the evening I've had a meeting on Sunday evening and a meeting <laughs> this evening, pff, really, it's a bit too much. But uh, anyway, uh, and, and, and before uh, I have that meeting, I still need to record this episode plus an episode of, um, uh, of my weekly show because I don't think I will have time uh, tomorrow, seeing that we still have to prepare so much for the Scotland trip. Um, but that's not a problem. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, what else did I want to share? Yesterday, I I visited my dad. Uh, oh, they're renovating the house here. These are very new neighborhoods. And so the outside is ready. But the inside clearly isn't. This is a wonderful sound that I always hear when I want to do an interview. <laughs> or to do a presentation for TV. Literally, like the entire neighborhood is quiet. You hear birds chirping. There's a little breeze. And then you press record, and that's when this sound will start. Always. Doesn't matter where I am. In the middle of Rome, in the middle of nowhere. It's either that or it's, it's um, trucks uh, in reverse. Where you'll have the beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to record something here. <laughs> Anyway, the advantage of audio is I can just walk a street and I'll be rid of the sound. (laughs) 
So I went to visit my dad, and uh, of course, uh, you know that my dad has been very ill, uh, really had to struggle with uh, delirium, uh, and ended up in a in a uh, recovery home uh, where he's, be, he's been taken care of. But unfortunately, that hasn't really recovered that well from the delirium and from the operation. Um, so it is very, it's fluctuating a lot. Sometimes he's, uh, you can have a good conversation. He's always cheerful. That's the upside. He's always happy to see you. He's cracking jokes. Um, he seems to be, and, and I know it's not all the time because he's, he's in that home with lots of other patients with more severe problems. So he was telling me the other day, there's this lady that had been yelling, literally yelling uh, as loud as she could for an entire day from the beginning of the day until the end. And it was driving everyone nuts. And there was no way to reason with that lady. She was just upset and, and very confused. So my dad, who was also confused, but not as much as she was, uh, you know, he, he still has to endure that. But the, the, the great thing is he's not bringing it up just you kind of sense that he's been you know going through some rough times but he will always try to be cheerful and and uh, he's smiling so much more than I've ever seen him smile before so that is really encouraging and um, just the Sunday I was preaching about um, uh, how God sometimes doesn't seem to answer your prayers but what actually is happening is not answering your wish list, but he has got another idea. There's another way for him to respond to your prayers. And so as you know, I've been praying a lot for my parents and for my dad. And despite that prayer, he still has lost his leg and lost his mind in a certain way, or at least uh, the, the functionality of his, uh, of his mind. Um, and so he's very confused and that's not going to get any better. So at first you'd say, well, that prayer has been useless. But I'm, it's always like try to look at what, what has been given to you. So the, 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 the gospel this weekend was about the uh, 10 people that are suffering from leprosy. And Jesus cures them. And he's in a kind of a, a region near the frontier with Samaria. And only the Samaritan uh, patient comes back to thank Jesus and he's wondering well where are the other nine so it's all about you know being grateful um, having you know always be mindful that what you have your health your your family your position your your job ultimately it's never something that you are entitled to it's something that has been given to you and if you are thankful that helps you realize time and again that everything you have is a gift and that gift can be taken away or it can you know somehow disappear but it doesn't mean that God doesn't stop giving he just sometimes gives you something else so instead of mourning what you don't have or taking it for granted which maybe even is maybe even worse you can also just look at what are the things that I have there was this one sign when I was uh, looking for my dad because he was <laughs> my aunt was there as well and she took him for a walk so I was looking for him and there was this sign uh, that said um, instead of instead of mourning 
what you have lost and what you can't do anymore. Look, look every day at what you still can do. And that's exactly, I think, what is the art of, of living a happy life. It's, it's always look at what, you, what you've received and what, <clears throat> what are the gifts in your life. And for my dad, at least from my perspective, what he has received is this cheerfulness, which has always been part of his character. I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd clearly inherited some of his cheerfulness, but especially the later part of his life because of his work and then later on the health issues it kind of was overshadowed by all the the stress and the sadness about the things that just didn't go the way that everyone wanted it to go and now in a way because he's so confused it's almost as if the cheerful side of my father has more room to play The, the the immediate worries are just immediate so if my dad is in pain fortunately that's almost gone now but he used to have these sharp attacks where his you know where the, the wound was where his leg was cut off he would have these excruciating pains um, he would be in pain but only when it hurt and once it stopped hurting he immediately forgot about it and he, he almost kind of like a total reset and that was so cool to see that he is um, he's really living in the moment and uh, and I think that now that at least the, the physical pain is gone um, he is more and more able to be his cheerful self because he's not, not a, a burdened uh, by all the, the worries and kind of the because he, he doesn't really think ahead and he still remembers a lot if you, so if you talk about things from the past he, he can still can still have a very coherent conversation but what matters to him most is the moment the present moment and so you see kind of an unfiltered version of your dad and I think that is in a way a gift that's something to be I'm very happy for him that he feels so cheerful and that he has he's still smiling every day and um, it was some, some one of his um, nurses is following me on Facebook or maybe it's a relative of one of the nurses. But anyway, we got a reaction on a picture that I posted of my, my dad. Where she says, he's such a delight to work with. And he's been so strong. And, but he's always cheerful. He's always kind. And it's, it's really a pleasure to, uh, to take care of, of your dad. And I'm so happy to hear that. And it's, in many ways, um, consolation that, that despite everything that didn't work out the way you hoped maybe this is still something very positive in the end doesn't mean that there's nothing to worry about but still this is so much better than I ever expected it to be for him for my mom it's much more difficult because she has to of course kind of live in that transition and she's maybe not an immediate caretaker but she still has to wash the laundry and visit and um, has to make every decision on her own now because my father can't follow uh, complicated discussions anymore. So for her, life has become tougher in a certain way. And I'm, I'm hoping that for her too, there will be kind of a certain gradual transition into this new life where uh, 
maybe she has worries when it comes to you know what, what to do with my father and where is he going to be placed after this uh, nursing home but on the other hand she doesn't have to take care of him every single day which gives her more time to maybe settle into an, a, a different I don't know calmer quieter lifestyle uh, she can work a little bit more on her health so yeah uh, always look for the positive. Always look for where are, where are the gifts that have been given you, have been given you. That, that's kind of how I look at the current situation. Two weeks ago, I was sick as a dog, and look at me now. I'm walking around here recording a show, and uh, there's no more rain, and the sun is shining, and it's a it's a nice evening, and I'll have a board meeting, which. You know, I'd rather watch TV tonight, but it's a board meeting with nice people. I've got a very good board here, uh, and um, we're going to make some some good decisions. We're planning ahead, and everything works out well. And just as I mentioned in the previous episode of The Walk, the fact that I've been creating so much margin has made it possible for me to be sick for three weeks without any major consequences. Um, which is something I have never experienced before. And I think even if I would still be sick for another two or three weeks, that still wouldn't really uh, uh, create a problem. The only, you know, impending deadline for me is the Ireland episode. Because that's an episode, since I filmed it with my phone, my uh, new Asus um, Zenfone 6, it's something I need to edit in Adobe Premiere. Whereas... The editors that I currently work with all work in Avid. So that's why I have to edit that myself. Plus, it's all this loose material. Never really filmed everything for a TV episode. It's only afterwards that I realized, well, wait a minute. This is actually good enough for a TV episode with a a good, you know, narrative, a good voiceover. This can totally be a story. So that's that's still going to require a number of days. I'm not sure how much time. But that's it. That's it. And that's only due in a couple of weeks from now. So, uh, you know, if I keep planning this well, there won't really be a problem. And then almost... Oh, there's another cool thing that's happening. Um, Remember I went to the north of the country to film this lady who was making this huge Christmas diorama with all these stories of uh, people that uh, Joseph and Mary would meet on their journey to Bethlehem? And I, 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 I filmed footage of all those scenes, and it was wonderful. And I had this idea of, well, maybe I can tell some stories. I can make like a book of tales, kind of like the Fioretti in the, in the life of St. Francis, where it not necessarily has happened for real, but it could have. You know, it's kind of like a, almost like a pious fantasy or a pious storybook. And so I came up with little story ideas for the scenes that uh, this lady had created. And then I got sick, and I was like, oh, this is never going to work. I don't have time to, to write all these stories, and if I want to do this well, I need to focus solely on that, and I just can't afford that. But then I, I've contracted now a, a, a lady that I know from for years and she's very creative very good writer and illustrator and she's looking for new work 
And so I contacted her and asked her, can you, you know, if I give you these story ideas, could you turn them into real stories? And uh, can, you, can you work with that? And then if she writes that, then I can probably find someone to read those stories. I can, ultimately, I can also do it myself if necessary. And then uh, add them and make these little short vi- story videos where during the time of Advent, we can you know, help kids and their parents to make that journey with Joseph and Mary all the way to Bethlehem. And it is, again, so invigorating to find someone who immediately gets what I, what I want to do with these stories and is enthusiastic about it and adds a lot of new ideas to, uh, to my original ideas. And that's where you get this um, synergy where you feel, wow, I had this idea. I couldn't do it myself. I, I involved someone else. Um, and the idea starts to flourish. And it's almost as if it was meant to be that I didn't have the time and the energy to do it myself because it will now become so, so much more than what I thought it, uh, it would become. So those are really, really cool experiences. And it, it makes me feel that, wow, it's, it's, re- it's taking off. And it is not increasing my workload. In, in, uh, au contraire, I would say it is diminishing my workload. And it's definitely even more important, because I don't fear working, actually. I can work very long hours. But it is diminishing the stress. It's diminishing this constant feeling that, oh, I'm not going to make it. It's, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. And I was like, well, this is just, I, I plant the seed, someone else waters it, and someone else will harvest it. And that's the way I want to live. That's the way I want to work. So that's very, very cool. Uh, I may have to kind of return. Okay, I've got to go back to the barn. There's another show that I need to record. I'm still far away from home. And I'm wondering what to eat. There is a German supermarket here. The Lidl. Lidl! Maybe I'll just hop in and see uh, if I can find some food there. Or maybe better yet, I can go and just get some Chinese food. <laughs> I, need, I need some good food. And we've got a very good Chinese in my old neighborhood here that uh, I still miss from time to time. I miss my old neighborhood, even though I still go there for work. Um, What else is there to share? Oh, another thing that I really enjoy is this whole process that we're currently in. Um, We we found someone who can help us with the branding of of what we do. Um, And it turns out she does much more than that. She's not just an expert on, on how to get your brand out and how to communicate but also how can you organize your work and make the right choices and help set priorities and she's been incredibly helpful in 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 um, coming up with these what she calls journeys so i've always been thinking of uh media as i make something for you and i drop it in an rss feed and you download it and that's it and she's like no that's just the beginning you want to take people on a journey. So you want to invite them, if they are, for instance, listening to a podcast, to also uh, join a community, um, 
get involved in a project that you do together with your followers. Uh, um, make everything that you do more interactive. And that, so in, try to always focus on increasing the audience participation. Because if people feel involved, if what you do, if your mission is also their mission, that will make it much more successful. And it will also help in finding funding and everything because you're not doing this for your audience. You're making this with your audience. And so for everything that we did, especially we started with the Dutch channel, the Catholic channel, but that has a very specific target audience and a, 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 a more or less specific goal. We want to uh, fill a gap in our Dutch media landscape. There is almost no Catholic um, quality uh, what you call it, social media content or video, definitely not much video content out there. And what we have on TV for Catholics, what I make, is for older people. So what about the younger generation, the, the parents, their children? There's nothing. So that's the gap that we're trying to uh, fill with our uh, Catholic initiative. And so we've been thinking through all our ideas. And then just this past Thursday, we had the kind of the final meeting uh, of, 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 of making this um, inventory of what we are doing and what we want to do. And since we had been working on always thinking, well, what, who is your target audience? How can you help them? How can you involve them? What's the journey of someone who comes into contact with what you do? Uh, if you want to find sponsors, what is their journey? How do you meet them? How do you involve them? How do you get them excited? Um, because we'd gone through that thinking for several months now, it made it so much easier to decide, well, this is what we're going to do in 2020. And so instead of trying to do everything, and one of the flaws that she immediately recognized was, well, you're doing this and this and that. And these three initiatives all have the same journey. So one of those would accomplish the same thing as three of those products. So why do you make three productions if, the, if one production could do the same thing for your audience? And I was like, whoa, I never thought about that. And then she also helped us to see where are the gaps in what you do. You say you want to help parents. And at the same time, you think that you're, you're only focusing on like general Catholic information, for instance. How is that helping parents? How are you going to help the parents? So it was like, well, whoa, wait a minute. We need to do something for those parents. How do we do that? And what are we going to do? That's kind of the, 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 the type of thinking. And then the last Thursday, we broadened it. And so she'd been helping us with the thought process of that Catholic channel. And then we said, well, what actually two other huge endeavors that we are uh, working on on a daily basis. The second one is, of course next to the Catholic channel. The second one is the, the television channel. That is a tremendous amount of time that we pour into that and, and funds. It's also, of course, creating revenue. So that's something that we need to also um, think through. How can we make that a, 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 a factor in our overall mission? And so she was challenging us. She says, if it's just a burden, if you only do it to create revenue to accomplish your other mission, then maybe it's time to let go. And if not, 
why do you do it? And how can you do it in a, in a way that will take people on a journey instead of just providing them with the weekly entertainment? And the third big channel, of course, is what you're currently listening to. It's the podcasting and the, the things that we do in English for an international uh, audience, which is the biggest one. If you look at uh, YouTube, for instance, even though I'm doing that at home and it's just a little bit of reacting to Star Wars trailers and building Lego, um, it has gathered 20,000 followers. Very, very involved followers that like to react and, and uh, are also exactly the target audience that I want to reach, which is kind of this these young people that don't have any connection with the church anymore and, and certainly not with a priest and where I can help. Where I, they have so many questions and the discussions that I have while building uh, these Lego things is incredible. We talk about exorcisms, about celibacy, about pornography, about the, the, the preserving uh, our environment, uh, about the next Star Wars movie, whether, you know, Superman would win from the Hulk. <laughs> It is so much fun. And there is literally no... no. There are no boundaries to what, what, what I'm ready to answer. If people have a question, I'll try to answer in as, as well as I can. And I don't know everything, and I certainly don't have the, the solution to um, some of the problems that people bring up. But I can still think these topics through from my perspective as a Catholic priest, and that helps people. I hear it from them in the chat. and so. But there is no journey. There's no plan. I just doing, I'm doing that almost intuitively. And the same thing is true with these podcasts. And I remember the time that I was making six to ten shows per week. I was trying to cover everything from Star Wars to Tintin to superheroes to Disney. And it was fun. And I loved doing it. But it was also something that was causing a lot of, you know, burnout, burnout feelings. And it was so hard and it took so much time. And, it, and I always felt it's, it's a train. I'm on board. Of the, uh, I'm on this train and I can't get off anymore because of the nature of podcasting where people subscribe to a feed. And if you don't feed the monster in a certain way, you're dead. It's like a blog. How, or a vlog, for that matter. How often do I hear that from people that are vloggers or bloggers? Like, if I don't update my blog, if I don't create another video, I'm going to lose my audience. And that is always something that I've dreaded. And the problem was there is no journey. You don't, you don't take people with you. You think that your audience is in a certain place, stuck there, and you have to bring them food every day, content, productions. But that's not so interesting. And the moment you don't do that, well, they'll walk away. But the thing is, you, you want people to walk with you, no matter what you do. <laughs> you want to form a community that is uh, part of your journey, so that you don't have to feel pressure to constantly, you know, return to your meeting point to bring more digital food to the masses, but instead the people will follow you because they just want to be part of your journey. And that's true for organizations as well. So that was a, a real eye-opener. And so uh, 
we're going to think, or I'm going to think, on the basis of what we've developed with the Catholic channel, I'm going to apply that to the stuff that I do in English. And one very easy decision for me was that means that we have to put the focus not on the umbrella brand, which is Tridio, because that is something that we did with SQPN. That was the umbrella. And then we did a ton of shows under that umbrella. But we would always focus on SQPN. That's what you support. That's what you go to, sqpn.com. And we did the same, kind of almost without thinking. We, we, we did that with Tridio. You go to Tridio. Tridio is where we have all our shows. That's where we host the feeds. And as you can imagine, it's very hard to bring people to something that is pretty abstract. And it's just meant as an umbrella, an organizational umbrella. So for some reason, well, actually for many understandable reasons, that brand never really took off. Nor does it have to. Because what is important? You want people to join you on your journey and who is the, the, the face of that of, of let's say the stuff that I do in English it's me it's Father Roderick and people will Google Father Roderick they won't Google this umbrella organization somewhere you know they, they couldn't care less they want to follow me um, and so that is the first decision uh, we're going to focus on what I do is very personal and so waiting for here for the lights to go green so I can cross the road. It's a very busy um, road that circles around the inner city. Definitely not a place where you can cross the road the Italian way. (laughs) Close your eyes and pray that you won't get killed. So, um, and and I think that uh, uh, the reason that I focused on on Tridio as a brand instead of on Father Roderick was, well, I don't want it to be about me. Uh, This should be independent of me. We should build this into a platform and have multiple people, etc. It's always kind of thinking how can we create uh, recreate what we did with SQPN where you had so many different hosts. But what I did not realize enough was that it's a totally different animal. It's a, it's a different... What I do is highly personal, and it is because it's so personal that it works. Because that is certainly when it comes to my YouTube audience, what they look for is connection. It's friendship. And not another Netflix. <laughs> you see? That's, that's a difference. And... Um, I think that that will be very helpful because it trims the fat. It it takes away all the hassle of having to promote an abstract term like Tridio. We will still, Tridio is still the organization, but it is about the faces. And if we find someone else who can join that mission, then we'll focus on that personality. And, but maybe that's not even going to happen. It's not necessary. You don't have to do everything. Just because you can. just And it, I have to say that that has really helped me to calm down a little bit. And even when it comes to my videos and my podcasts, I'm thinking, well, you know what? It's just Father Roderick. I don't need to reach millions of people. What, what to me, what matters to me is that I reach you. And that this is a, 
it's more about the quality than about the quantity. I'd rather mean something and be really helpful to five people than to have 5,000 hits because of, you know, clickbait or whatever. Who cares? It's about, can I really help people? And if I can, then numbers become so irrelevant. It's like in my parish. You know, 50 years ago, I'd have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in every Mass. Now, you know, I'm glad if there are 100 people at Sunday Mass. But should that bring me down and make me frustrated? And does it make my life as a priest worthless? No, of course not. <laughs> you know, I, can, I, I just have to do my job. Do, do your job. I just got to do what I have to do. And I'm not the one who is, you know, bringing in the numbers or, God forbid, uh, that, that, that mass is, is a personality show. It should never be. I just do what I do as a priest. And, and God will reach people and they will hopefully be inspired or they'll stay away and sleep and <laughs> sleep in on Sunday morning. That's not up to me. It doesn't depend on me. And and the moment you start to let go of that, that's where you find who you truly want to be. Uh, Your value is never measured by the success of your enterprise, by the numbers, by the amount of money that you make, the amount of people that you reach. That's all extra grace. But what matters is that you do what your call to do. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be given in addition to that. And then that's how you should look, I think, at success in your life. The, what makes your life successful? It's if you can be who you are meant to be. And what kind of effect that has on the rest of the world? That's all grace. That's all something, if you receive it, it's like, be grateful. It's never something you can claim. It's also never something you can hold on to because it can be taken away from you. A podcaster can lose his or her voice. Uh, your uh, television maker can lose uh, the contract with the channel. Does that make your life all of a sudden completely uh, senseless and without value? Of course not. When I was sick, that was when I, was, I realized that what matters in my life is not what I can do, it's the fact that I'm able to pray. And no matter how sick I am, um, I'm still loved by God and He supports me and He helps me. He pulls me through this. That's how I experienced my illness. And, and I was like, if this is it, if I can never return to work, am I going, is my life over? Is, is there no value? No, I, like, that's fine too. Whatever happens, as long as I, as long as I am who I'm supposed to be. Anyway, I start to repeat myself, so it's time to wrap up. I'm near the uh, other German supermarket in my old neighborhood, which is the Aldi's, auch German, yeah. I'll see if I can get some food there. And then what time is it right now? It is, ooh, already 6.25. Uh... And the meeting starts at 7.30. So if I just grab a quick bite, I can still record my weekly show. All right. And then next week, maybe the walk will be in beautiful Scotland. Long may your rum leak. Your lum reek. Sorry. Long may your lum reek. Uh, 
So maybe maybe there will be a walk in uh, in Scotland, or maybe not. We'll see. Anyway, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, and if you're a patron, thanks for your support. Take care.